Hello and welcome to Health in a Handbasket, your podcast about the sexy world of healthcare engineering. I'm Fidi Sakta and I'll be your host. I'm the Marketing and Community Manager at UCL's Institute of Healthcare Engineering. And although I don't always understand what's written in the research papers published by our academics, I know that what we're doing in the world of healthcare engineering is important and impactful. And I want to share that with you by speaking to those who know a bit more about it than me. Today I want to pick out the topic of lymphedema from the health handbasket. So you might be wondering what this is because I wondered as well. So I'm here with Catherine Wang, the best person to answer this question. Catherine's a research fellow and principal investigator at UCL. She's a biomedical scientist by background and an engineer by training, and she knows a lot about lymphedema. So Catherine, what's lymphedema and why haven't I heard of it before? So lymphedema is basically excessive swelling of the body in an area where the lymphatic system has been damaged. So for example, if you have damage to the lymphatic system in the arm, you might get swelling in the arm. And it's basically um, an incurable condition and it can cause pain and disfigurement in the patients. Um, A lot of things can cause lymphedema, so things like obesity, age, injury, but I guess the most common is like after cancer surgery. For example, like if you've had breast cancer and you've had your lymph nodes removed, that might cause uh, lymphedema in, in the arms. And there is no cure and it can be quite debilitating and painful. Patients are often faced with lifelong mental, physical and social economic consequences. And um, like I said, it's really, it's, it's, it's a common complication of um, certain, cancer, uh, certain cancer treatments such as breast cancer or prostate cancer. So they face a lifelong risk of developing lymphedema after their treatment, so be it a few months to a few years. So to give you an example, around 30 to 40% of breast cancer patients will develop lymphedema as a consequence of their treatment. So it's it's quite often glossed over in medical school like it's like the lymphatic system is usually like a passing comment so it's often very misdiagnosed and overlooked and not, a lot of GPs don't even don't even know about it. That all sounds really interesting. Didn't know that about our lymphedemic system. Is that what it's called? Lymphatic system. The lymphatic system. The lymphatic system is essentially the plumbing of the body. It's one of the largest and most important systems in the body, but um, you've most likely not heard of it. And essentially, it's tasked with transporting fluid around your body. So it kind of gets rid of the waste and the toxins, literally getting rid of the sewage in your body. And um, yeah, it doesn't get enough love and it doesn't get enough attention, not like the vascular or the nervous system, which gets all the love. So I like to use like an analogy, like it's uh, the Luke of the Hemsworth brothers. <laughs> like if the vascular system was Beyonce, then lymphatics is Michelle <laughs> and uh, Kelly is obviously nervous. So yeah, and it's really underrated and it serves us incredibly well. It's one of the largest networks in our body and it works really hard quietly behind the scenes, you know, ridding our bodies of toxins and waste. When the system is damaged or overloaded, it can cause problems. So think an overflowing toilet that can't be flushed because there's a pipe missing. And that kind of is what happens in lymphedema. So you kind of remove parts of the lymphatic system, such as a lymph node. And so there's a problem with your plumbing and that causes buildup of fluid in your tissues and that causes excessive swelling. And it's not like the system can be regenerated. So thus it's incurable. 
So it sounds like a problem with the sewage system <laughs> in our body causes a lot of other problems. Yeah. Yeah. What are you trying to do about it? A current treatment kind of involves a range of different approaches to manage the disease. Um, so a lot of them involve things like uh, manual compression to massage the fluid out of the body, skin care, and just like a all like are all rounded, like there's a bunch of things that you have to do. But I guess the most common thing is things like massage or compression therapy, which is basically manually massaging the fluid out of the body. And a lot of it relies uh, very heavily on visits to trained therapists or special clinics. And depending on the severity of your disease, it it needs to be several times a week to manually massage this uh, trapped fluid away from the affected area. And quite often it's using devices that are called pneumatic compression machines which essentially is like a fancy massage garment or you go to a massage therapist who then massages the fluid from your body and essentially both these things require you to go into a clinic and that obviously can take up time because you're traveling there it can take up money because often these treatments are like 40 to 60 pounds per hour so because this is incurable you have to go like quite frequently which for a lot of patients this is just not economically viable for them and it's not sustainable either so a lot of the patients they don't get the treatment that they need to actually manage this disease and a lot of the devices the current gold standard or like the best in the market is like very outdated in design they're very heavy they're expensive they're uncomfortable and wearing it quite frankly makes you look like michelin man so the lack of available services and the lack of sustainability means that a lot of patients don't have an affordable, accessible and sustainable product that allows them to self-manage their disease effectively. I guess that's where I come in. And um, so my project that I'm working on is uh, called Lymph Motion and I'm developing a portable lightweight compression garment which allows the patient to have total freedom where they can manage their disease wherever and whenever they need which is unlike current solutions and because it's wireless and portable it means that they can use it at home at work or even when they're on vacation so it means that even if they go away from um, home and they don't have like a clinic that they need to go to they can still access their their treatment. How did you get into this? How did you learn about lymphedema? Back when I was doing my PhD in 2019, I went to a summer school that was hosted by EIT Health, which is, I think it's the European Institute of Innovation and Technology. It was kind of like a call to develop a solution to an unmet medical need. And where I went to was this cancer rehabilitation center in uh, Sweden. You know, I thought I'd be learning a lot about cancer and like how they rehabilitate after having cancer surgery. But one of the things that came up and it's so common and it's a very commonly overlooked consequence. And that was kind of like the recurring theme of all of the cancer specialists there was uh, lymphedema. So after speaking to all of the cancer specialists and the patients, that's where I came up with the idea of lymph motion. It's kind of like a personal thing for me as well, because my uncle, he had uh, cancer. And as a consequence, he also developed really like very heavy swelling in his uh, in his legs. I just remember like he's a pretty like skinny guy, but it was just shocking how like his legs were just 
two, three times the size of his normal um, limb. And there was not really much that the doctors could do for him. There wasn't really like any strategies they could do to kind of help me manage the pain. And I guess that kind of left like a lasting impression for me. And because the thing with my uncle and the summer school happened so close together, it just felt like a calling to me. So as I was finishing writing up my PhD last year, I decided to kind of give this project a real go. And um, while I was writing my thesis, I was also writing these funding applications. So my, my PhD is completely unrelated to lymphedema. It's it's in um, medical devices and hip replacements and things <laughs> like that. So orthopedics, um, so completely different. And I kind of veered off on a tangent with the lymphedema uh, project. I basically got some funding to work on this project, which I'm really grateful for, and it's a great opportunity. And here I am. So tell me what happened before you got to the summer school. What happened in your journey? How did you get there? How did you How did you get to that stage? Because I know you did biomedicine. So how did you even get there? So tell me about your journey. Yeah. So I kind of uh, got into engineering almost by accident, really. I've kind of uh, hopped around in uh, disciplines over the course of my life, (laughs) I suppose. I went to all-girls high school and there wasn't really a diverse range of career options for people who are a bit more like academically inclined and you kind of presented with things like medicine, law, dentistry. I I'm, I wasn't really I'm not really like a people person and I have terrible bedside manner so like medicine was uh, out of the running but I always knew that I was very fascinated by um, medicine and uh, sciences so I I chose biomedicine as a as a de- as an undergraduate degree and I did I did enjoy it a lot and. I wanted to do like a PhD in tissue engineering because I thought it'd be cool to regrow a new organ. So I did a master's in biomaterials and tissue engineering here at UCL. It was really interesting because this master's program was in the mechanical engineering department. And it was it was so exciting for me because it was the first time that I realized that you can use engineering to solve medical problems. So it kind of completely changed my career trajectory that I thought I'd go on. I thought I'd doing stem cells and working in a wet lab and looking at like tiny little cells proliferating but the hands-onness of engineering just really excited me and that kind of led to my PhD in uh, more bioengineering I guess so it was a lot more mechanical engineering a lot more I guess mathy but it's probably not the right word which was more in medical designing uh, medical devices uh, for orthopedic trauma and uh, I guess orthopedic trauma is just dealing with things I play with bones basically Mm. Um, when bones break then I design an implant that would kind of fix that uh, when you kind of need a new like hip I kind of look at what kind of stem Mm. you should like hip implant you should look or you should use like you know let surgeons know what they can use it's a good point you raised though about like women not being given those opportunities or shown those opportunities I don't think I ever heard about engineering being an option for myself Mm. when I was growing up it was like yeah be a doctor be a lawyer listen I've got Asian parents as well my parents are brown yeah they they only knew like two (laughs) career options and engineering was not one of them yeah so I think it's really interesting that you are an Asian female in engineering and I think that's amazing but also kind of like how you don't have to be you don't have to fit this mold 
of engineering to be in engineering like yeah, you don't have to be sure. this um put in a box yeah put yeah. in a box you don't have to be this maths whiz or this physics whiz or whatever to be in engineering i think um when you're in high school it there is a lot of boxes that you are put in yeah. there's not really you're not really shown the things that you can do and i think there's a lot of stereotypes about engineering like even when i was doing my masters oh i like i thought i'd have to be like really good at maths or something like that I, look i'm i'm asian okay and I failed maths, which is quite <laughs> frankly really disgraceful and uh, not ashamed to say it. But I thought you'd have to be really good at maths to do engineering and all of this. But you you kind of don't because it's such a broad uh, discipline and there's like so many things you can do with it. And it's not necessarily that you have to be a genius at mathematics to be able to do it. And I think that's kind of what intimidated me away from it at at the beginning because I thought I couldn't do it. But actually, like you kind of can. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of feel like it's like if you have a passion, then mm. definitely go with it and go for it. And things like having a maths A level or GCSE, was it? Oh yeah, I failed maths A levels. I yeah. think I think the only thing that I passed was like statistics, which is you know, I mean, I guess statistics is kind of all you need, right? Like if I wanted to be an accountant, because that's very in line with like what Asians <laughs> do. But <laughs> yeah. No, I mean you're here now, so yeah, clearly yeah. you don't need math. Yeah, not to say math yeah. isn't important. One of like one of the things that I was really um, excited and really fascinated about was how engineering can come from like come in all forms and backgrounds. So it's it's it can be such a multidisciplinary subject. I said before that I I didn't know that you could use engineering to solve medical problems, right? But it's not just medical problems. You can like it can come together with like computer science, electrical engineering, mathematics can all come together and solve certain problems. Like for example, in healthcare, that things that I didn't even realize before doing my PhD and even this project. And that's I think that's what's kind of the crux of what healthcare engineering is, right? Is it's like all of these disciplines coming together and kind of solving problems. Like kind of like the G seven summit. Like can I can I say that? Like or like. I don't know, the European Union, I mean, well, the European <laughs> Union, but like, yeah, kind of like the European <laughs> Union. <laughs> back when it was yeah, United. Back at, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a good an- analogy. Well, like, oh, wait, no, what, what's that? Um, United Nations, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, the United Nations yeah. of healthcare. The Avengers. <laughs> the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, the Avengers of healthcare. <laughs> yeah, saving the world from yeah. like asteroids and lymphedema. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> so you've been on a pretty good journey, I think. Um, I'm pretty impressed. But what does the future hold for Dr. Catherine Wang? Uh, so I guess f- in the context of lymph motion, I'd like it to become like an enterprise, like a startup or a spin out. Eventually, I think I've always been quite entrepreneurial, even from like a young kid. But I always thought I'd create like a non-profit startup. So, for example, like using engineering to solve medical problems that might not have current solutions. It would be like creating solutions for medical problems that might not actually be on the market. So maybe that would be what would come come next. But I guess like in the context of lymph motion, I, I would like for it to become an enterprise one day. But 
it's not just the enterprise part for me. For me, it's kind of more, I want to create more awareness to what lymphedema is because it is so um, overlooked and misunderstood, especially in things like policy. So it doesn't get as much love and funding as some of the other the other medical problems such as cancer or cardiovascular disease. Because I guess in the scale of what government wants to spend its money on I guess they're looking at solving the problem of what's going to kill you first versus what's going to cause you pain for the rest mm-hmm. of your life right but for like it's really in, for lymphedema it's really important that you can diagnose it earlier because that means you can manage it earlier which means that it doesn't get to a stage where it gets so bad like you know the swelling is like two three four times the size of your normal limb and it's it's really common there's a big misconception like even amongst GPs that they'll probably just pass it off as like oh you're just fat but actually you've got lymphedema for lymphedema it like you're kind of cured you're kind of cured of a deadly disease like cancer but you are kind of left to survive with an incurable condition Mm. and that's kind of what at the crux of it is like what when I said about oh the government wants to save your life but doesn't really think about the chronic pain that it could cause you for the rest of your life and I think that often is overlooked another another thing is like create awareness of the lymphatic system it's it's a really like underrated system and it doesn't get enough love and it's not really even taught in medical school so there's a lack of educations about the lymphatic system even amongst clinicians because usually it's like a passing comment like in the school curriculums you get entire chapters about the cardiovascular system you get entire chapters about the nervous system but you you get maybe like one sentence Mm. about the lymphatic system so your vision of lymph motion that's what it's called Mm -hmm, so hopefully it makes scenes in the healthcare world and also uh, the stuff about awareness is really really key because without it there won't be people working Mm. on lymphedema or other lymphatic Mm. system issues so that's really key and with a lot of things awareness is is so important so thank you and hopefully this podcast raises a bit of awareness about lymphedema i mean with lymphedema, it's a lot of people don't know it and don't recognize it. But once you know what it is, it's so common to spot on the street. Like when you're walking on the street, you can just spot it once yeah. you know what it is. And um, actually, like obviously, it's to do with removing fluid from your body, right? So it's it's really like you can even see it for yourself when you go home tonight. So if you've got a bit of puffiness on your face, it's usually because the lymphatic uh, system hasn't like removed the fluid uh, from your body. So it's like the reason why your face might get a bit puffy when you've had a bit too many salts, too much salted food. So, you know, like me, when I've added a bit too much soy sauce and MSG to my egg fried rice. Um, MSG is so good. MSG is so good. Yeah. Like once you kind of notice, uh, when you, even when your fingers swell mm. during the summer heat, you can be like, oh, yeah, that's my lymphatic system. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a slow day today. Um, <laughs> or like, you know, when your face gets a bit puffy, it's like, oh, it's a slow day for the lymphatic system. So I guess a bit yeah. of self care, though, like yeah. advice for people at home, like to do some massages yeah. on your faces or places where you have a bit of swelling. Yeah. You know, it's actually really common. Like, I, I'm really surprised that the West hasn't caught on to this, but in China, where, um, um, my 
parents, I guess, where I'm ethnically from. It's really common to use a tool called gua sha to massage your I have face. One at home. Do you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I'm so lazy. Yeah. And I don't no. Use you it. should. You should. You should definitely use it because um, you use the gua sha to kind of like move the fluid away yeah, from yeah. your face, right? To kind of deep half. That's. Oh, you no, know, it makes me look yeah, so much better. Yeah. That's that, exactly. Yeah. That's you massaging your lymphatic yeah. system, okay. removing the fluid and stuff. So like you know you see it a lot in like everyday stuff, but you don't even think about it because you know it doesn't get all the love and attention it deserves no i just saw a youtube video on like how it's like good for your face and it slims your face and i was like yeah i'm gonna do this yes because it's all water weight that's being getting rid of so yeah oh okay that's so interesting and a little bit of advice for people at home is you know massage 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 as well like dry brushing or something yeah (laughs) yeah exactly So we're called Health in a Handbasket. So it would be a little remiss if I didn't ask you what was in your handbasket today. Oh, so like, do you want like a list or like just the top three items? Give me top three. Yeah, top three. Okay, uh, so I guess the most important thing, which I guess like shocks a lot of people, is my miniature Swiss Army knife. Shocking me right now. Why do you have a Swiss Army knife? <laughs> it's just so useful. I mean, it's like one. It's the miniature ones, but it's so useful for a lot of things. Like it has a little flashlight. It has a pen. It has a mini a knife. Flashlight. Yeah, it has a flash. It's, it's it's really cute, and it's like about three inches long. It's got scissors and screwdriver. I use it a lot during my day to day for like lab for opening boxes and things like that highly recommend and I guess the second one would be my iPad which I use a lot for like designing and taking notes and things like that and the third I guess is my current book of the week I suppose I'm reading a really fantastic book called um, Dopamine Nation which highly recommend should go read it if you are interested Thanks. yeah I'll yeah, add it to my book list yeah you thank should. you yeah. <laughs> That's it from us today. So we hope you enjoyed the episode. Catherine's doing some amazing work. So, oh. <laughs> um, and give her a follow on LinkedIn. Uh, she's Catherine Wang 3 Is that right? Yes. 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 And on Twitter, where she's um. Oh yeah. So Twitter, it's uh, Katana Wang. How do you spell that? Yeah, K A E T A N A W A N G. Yeah. There you go. So thank you for listening in, and join us next time on Health in a Handbasket. Health in a Handbasket is produced by UCL's Institute of Healthcare Engineering and edited by Keris Bradley. The Institute of Healthcare Engineering brings together leading researchers to develop the tools and devices that will make your life better. We're using this podcast to share all the amazing work taking place. You can learn more by searching UCL Health in a Handbasket or following the link in the show notes. So share with your friends and family if you found this interesting. We're available everywhere, especially where you just listen to us.